0: Thank you for joining us for another podcast from the Commonwealth Club. Hello and good afternoon. I'm Patty James of the Commonwealth Club's Health and Medicine Forum. It's my pleasure to extend a special welcome to any new club members who are here for this digital program. I encourage our viewers to become members of the Commonwealth Club. To learn more about membership and its benefits, please visit the club at CommonwealthClub.org. And to support the club right now with a tax-deductible donation, please click the blue Donate button on your screen. An upcoming program by the Health and Medicine Forum is neuroscientist Dr. Adam Ghazali, entitled A New Era of Experiential Medicine from Video Games to Psychedelics. This program is on September 22nd at 6 p.m. It's available digitally and it's also available um, in person, the first one since the beginning of COVID, so that's very exciting. So now it is my pleasure to introduce Dr. BJ Fogg. Dr. Fogg is a behavior scientist at Stanford, where he directs research and innovation at the Behavior Design Lab. He also teaches his models and methods in graduate seminars. On the industry side, BJ trains innovators to use his work so they can create solutions that influence behavior. The focus areas include health, sustainability, financial well-being, learning, productivity and engagement. His early works on persuasive technology has informed the design of products that millions love and use every day, including Instagram, which one of his students co-founded. BJ created a new method of habit formation called Tiny Habits. Using his online platform and email, he has personally coached over 60,000 people in creating habits. Fortune Magazine named VJ, a new guru, guru you should know for his insights about mobile and social networks. Find out more at bjfog.com and tinyhabits.com. You may purchase Dr. Fogg's New York Times bestselling book today from the Commonwealth Club, Tiny Habits, The Small Ch- Changes That Change Everything. Welcome, Dr. Fogg.
1: Hey, Patty, thank you so much for having me. I am delighted to be here.
0: Oh, we're so happy um, that you are here. I've been following you and learning from you for quite some time. We might get into that later when we talk about anchor habits and things. So you began your journey designing business solutions, getting fit, saving money, driving efficiently. And then you tinkered with these concepts and brought them into your personal life, the genesis of tiny habits. So, Tell us more about that journey, the yeah. anatomy of tiny habits, and maybe your anchor moment and what that means. Yeah, it
1: was about 11, maybe 12 years ago when I was in my 40s, and I was concerned about where my health was going and you know, my productivity and so on. I was running conferences at Stanford, which is really stressful, as you know. Yeah. I was doing research, uh, teaching, doing stuff out in industry, and I was like, oh, man, DJ just do the math, project forward, where are you are going to be if you don't change? And I didn't like, I did not like that scenario ahead of me. And so I look, I was thinking, well, how do I, how do I really optimize my life? And I looked at my own behavior model, the graphical version, the one with the curved line, and literally looking at a graphic of my own model, I, the fog behavior model, I saw that if a behavior is really, really easy to do, like a habit is really, really easy to do. You don't need a lot of motivation. The motivation can be super low. And I thought, well, let me try this. Let me make flossing really, really simple. Not all my teeth, but one tooth. Let me make drinking water really simple. Not drink a glass of water, just pour the glass of water. Let me make vitamins really simple. Don't take the vitamins, just set them out as the first step. And what I found when you combine that with the prompt, with something that says, do it now, It is a way to create habits really quickly and easily. You can be very reliable. And so I goofed around for about a year uh, with this method that's now called Tiny Habits. And I taught a Stanford class that was all about making small changes and so on. And then I started coaching people. And I pulled the method together and I thought, well, I'm going to share this beyond Stanford. Um, And I started coaching people for free through email. I thought, Patty, I thought six people would sign up. I really, I distinctly remember it was about December 3rd or 4th. I'd submitted my grades to Stanford and I was like, oh, I'm off. Now what am I going to do? Oh, I'm going (laughs) to teach people tiny habits. So I posted to Facebook uh, like, hey, do you want to learn this new way to create habits? I thought six would sign up. I got like 60. And then I coached them during the week through email and it went great. And then the next week, 180 signed up just by word of mouth. And, and it's just gone on since then. So that was over 10 years ago. And I coached hundreds of people week after week after week. And we'll get into that. But the whole thing started because of my own concern about where my life was headed. And I was just kind of looked ahead and said, man, if I don't change things, I'm going to end up in a spot where I don't want to be.
0: Yeah. And
1: so I really hacked. I used my own model to create a method and hack my own behavior.
0: Mm-hmm. Well... Uh, It it works. You look great. You're obviously very healthy. And so and it's those tiny habits. And what I learned from Dr. Fogg years ago, when I first read his book is about tiny habits that I have tea, a cup of tea every morning. So my, my first tiny habit, and I've been doing it ever since the tea steeps for three minutes, and I just lean against the kitchen counter and I do my push ups. 25 push-ups, yeah. you know? So, you know, all those years later, my arms would look different now if I hadn't followed that tiny habit. So I'm very thankful for that. Good for
1: you. Yeah. Good for so, you.
0: So ne- explain what your B equals map means. Yeah.
1: So that is what I call the fog behavior model. And that's what inspired the tiny habits method. So they go together, but the behavior model goes like this and behavior happens when, and, a habit is a type of behavior. It's a subset. So behavior Mm -hmm. happens when three things come together at the same moment. There's motivation to do the behavior. Mm -hmm. There's ability to do the the behavior. And there's a prompt. And if any one of those things is missing, the behavior won't happen. And they work together. And the insight in, so that's the written form. I read it up, B equals MAP. But there's a graphical version on X, Y axes Um, that's the same idea, but it's a richer insight and it shows that motivation and ability work like teammates. And if something is really hard to do, then you have to have lots of motivation or it won't happen. If something is really easy to do, then the motivation could be low or high. So there's a relationship between ability and motivation. And that was my insight. Looking at my own models, like, wow. So if I don't say I'm going to exercise, you know, go running for an hour a day, which is going to require a lot of motivation and sustaining it. Instead, just put on my running shoes, uh, which doesn't take a lot of motivation. Then you can be really consistent. And you have, um, and that led to the tiny habits method and a pretty, um, it's really simple, but it's a sophisticated system for creating any habit that you want. And it's easier and faster than people think.
0: So you have done... um in your, in your lab, in order to kind of figure this out, you did all sorts. Did you do an actual clinical trial with people and motivations, or did you just take the N of ones and multiply that by 60,000 people? How did
1: you All of this was kind of a massive accident, like a lot of breakthroughs (laughs) are. (laughs) It was just me, you know, the school year was over and I'm going to start teaching this. But as, you know, a data person, I would measure the results week after week. So this was not at the beginning. It was not like a Stanford. I'm going to run this experiment. It's like, I'm teaching people. I'm measuring the results. I'm going to improve the program. I'm going to change it up. Like there were some weeks where people had habit buddies, some weeks where they worked alone. And I looked at the results of that. There were some times when people do it through email versus texting. And I would look at the difference of that. So I just did a whole bunch of iterations to optimize the program. Mm -hmm. And, um, it just, and, and then just this coaching people week after week, which I didn't get paid for. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't like a funded Stanford research project for me to coach 300 people a week. It was just, I wanted to help people. Yeah. In fact, I remember very specifically sitting before we had a place in Maui, we we're in our a lovely spot in Maui named McKenna. I'm sitting there on the balcony, co- on the computer coaching, you know, a few hundred people and I, I could do it like in 30 or 40 minutes a day. And I just remember my partner going, what are you doing? And it's like, of course, I'm doing penny habits. And so that just became a part of my daily life. Either I was coaching people or on the weekends, I was looking at the data and evaluating. And so it was just this kind of approach to habits and research that, you know, thousands and thousands of people, and I was personally coaching them. So on one hand, you get the data and the insights, And then on the other hand, you get as, you know, involved in seeing everything. You get just this firsthand experience of what works and what doesn't.
0: Yeah, personal experience. Yeah. yeah. So you you say that motivation is unreliable. What does that mean? Um,
1: Well, I'm calling out, I mean, motivation matters a lot. But a big part of my work is to help people understand that you might be motivated for something in this very moment. Like, oh, I'm going to eat, you know, I'm always going to eat fermented foods because you just came from a fermentation festival. (laughs) But then tomorrow or the next day, your motivation to eat fermented foods may sag. In fact, it probably will. So motivation is dynamic. It fluctuates over time. The academic research on this is very recent. We do not have decades and decades. You would think for something that's so common, something that we all get, Mm -hmm. that our motivation will shift around. You would think there'd be a long history of academic research on it. There's not. Mm -hmm. And in fact, there wasn't even a good name for this shift. You know, you can look up dynamics of motivation, motivation fluctuations. Those would be the terms you might use previously to look in the academic literature. Mm -hmm. So at a certain point, along with David Sobel and other people who um, were working with me, we called it, and this is David's term, motivation wave. So now there's a term for it. It's a wave that will go up and it will come down and you're motivated to do different things in different times. So the waves are firing in different parts of your life at different times. In other words, yeah. it might be big in one area and small and like it might be really big at getting your taxes filed. Yeah. And once that gets done, then that's going to go down and it might get really big at, you know, your mom's birthday is coming up and you want to make it special. And when that's done, that goes down. And so our motivation shifts. And that means for any given thing, like eating fermented food, we can't always rely that we're going to be super motivated to do that. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, really good point. I'm sure everybody right now is thinking of, about all this and in, in their own lives and, and how they're, how it ebbs and flows, yeah. you know, and it could be as something as simple as these genes are a little tight. That's the motivation for, you know, stopping doing whatever made the genes too tight. But you talk about... Um, Anchor behaviors. And I think we should talk about anchor behaviors before we talk about golden behaviors. So let's okay. start with anchor and then move on to golden. I love these terms.
1: Great. So the foundation to understanding all of behavior, and I really do mean that. I know that sounds like a very ambitious claim, but it is true, is motivation ability prompt that applies to all behaviors in all cultures, all ages, and all behavior types. And a one time action is different than a habit. Uh, and a stopping of behavior is different than starting and so on. But motivation, ability, prompt applies to all of them. So as we apply it to habits, we've talked about make it really easy so you don't need tons of motivation. But then what about the prompt? What's going to prompt the habit? And the hack in tiny habits, and I gave a TED Talk on this, it came to me like a lot of insights that you hear in stories. It was that, Like I got out of the shower and boom. Yeah. You need something to remind you to do a habit. And rather than using post-it notes or alarms and just relying on your memory in the tiny habits way, you look for something you already do, an okay. existing routine. And we call that an anchor. So to your comment, okay. it, this anchor moment, what do I already do? Like starting my tea? It mm-hmm. will remind me to do my new habit, which would be push-ups against the kitchen yeah. counter. Yeah. So that's a hack. So you're not relying on memory. You're not relying on something external. You're right. building the habit into What you already do, you're fitting it into your routine. You're finding where does this come after something I already do. And we call that an anchor. And I called it it anchor, Patty, because the idea was you are attaching this thing to something, this anchor moment, this routine that's very firm in your life. You're anchoring down the new habit. That's why I called it an anchor.
0: Yeah. Well, and everybody can think about their habits right now as they're listening to this. And I think everybody brushes their teeth. So while you're brushing your teeth, maybe, you know, do some squats or, you know, or whatever. Everybody, everybody has anchor habits that they do every day.
1: Absolutely. I mean, one great way to create new habits is just to list all the reliable routines you do daily. By the way, daily habits are a lot easier than every other day habits, a lot easier than once a week. Daily habits, because we're kind of 24-hour creatures. So list all the routines you do very reliably, like brushing your teeth and putting on your shoes and starting the the tea. And then think, what new habit could come right after that that would just fit and work? Yeah. Um and so you could say after I start brushing my teeth, I will. Yeah. And then figure out what that habit is. It could yeah. be I will think of um someone in my life I'm grateful for, a gratitude yeah. habit. It yeah. could be I will identify my top priority for today, more of a yeah. productivity habit. Whatever um might fit really well, you can just sequence it right after. The beginning of brushing, and so for most of us, we have two minutes right there. To right. Do yeah,
0: yeah. You know, after all this time of my tea and my push-ups and all the other little tiny habits that I've built in, I never thought until you just said it that I could build in. Because I think I'm pretty grateful for my life all the time. But to to bring in things like like gratitude um, and or optimism or, or something good. I think I hadn't, for some reason, BJ hadn't put that in my head.
1: Uh, yeah, well, let me build on that. And thank you for inviting this. Yeah. Um, so one uh, habit that I've done for years, and it kind of is like the starting the tea is after I turn on the shower. Yeah. And I'm you know, waiting some seconds for water to warm up. Yeah. I will think of something about my body for which I'm grateful. Ooh, good one. And, you know, after a few years, you got to get kind of creative about that. <laughs> and, you know, like I got a little cut from gardening. Oh, I'm grateful that this cut healed. Um, the the pain in my knuckles went away. Oh, I'm grateful that the pain went away. Uh, yeah. I'm grateful that, etc. cetera. What right. happens? What seems to happen? Now, I know this from the data of tiny habits, but I'm going to, is the habit will then generalize. You will be more grateful for your body at other moments of your life. Okay. And so... We see that in the data week after week. Habits have ripple effects and you do similar habits in other moments of your life, even if you haven't anchored them or planned them. So one piece of research I would love to do, maybe this is next year, I can't do it this year, um, is to have people do that body gratitude and then see if they naturally start making other changes to to honor their body because they have a daily habit of thinking, what am I grateful for? Yeah, And the hypothesis there would be that you would then, when you're faced with decisions, even that you have, then you you would behave or make decisions that are consistent with you being grateful and appreciating your body. So I'm just, um, that 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 would would certainly fit the data. So the hypothesis is in line. I haven't done the research on that particular thing.
0: Oh, that would be amazing. Because if you, if we're talking about your bodies, which are just absolute miracles, yeah. You know, so, um, that would be, oh, wow. I look forward to, to hearing more about that. That would be well, great. The,
1: the, it's one of the, so some people, when the book came out, Tiny Habits, they, they wrote and said, BJ, I hear your book's really great, but I need big changes, not tiny changes. So oh, this won't yeah, work for me. Yeah. And it's yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. how you get to the big changes. Exactly. That's how you do it reliably You you go tiny. And then there's this process of change yeah. that happens naturally without even very much effort um so but some people really honestly patty won't accept that they feel like it has to be painful they feel like they have to deprive themselves they feel like somehow they have to like hit rock bottom before none of that's true um the process um that works best is starting tiny and Mm -hmm. feeling good right and from there all these ripple effects happen
0: well, I know that when I had my cooking school and I did uh, more um, nutritional consultations than I do right now, January, everybody and their brother wanted to do 50 million things yeah. and be a whole new person. And I would always work really hard on slowing people down because it doesn't work that way, Because they, it, and, which is what you just said.
1: Yeah. And so. I just took a big sigh. Like, how discouraging is that? Yeah. Where year yeah. after year, people yeah. are set up by themselves or their friends in the media to think- yeah. I'm going to do it this year and so I'm going to magically keep my motivation high
0: right, so I right, can do all right. these
1: things. And if, if there's a Goliath that tiny habits is attacking, it's that one <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> where people oh. somehow think I'm going to magically keep my motivation high. Yep. And that's the, um, the Goliath that we need to take down and show that that's not how change happens reliably. Uh-uh.
0: And then the tiny habits too, let's say you woke up and you ate a half a pizza for breakfast or something. It's like, Oh, today's, you know, I might as well finish off the ice cream because I blew today. So, but that doesn't mean you can't do some push-ups in the afternoon. I mean, you, you don't, it doesn't have to be today is gone. And you know, it's too late now and we'll start tomorrow. You can start anytime with tiny habits. They're tiny.
1: Yeah, you can start any time and a big part of the method. And I just found myself writing this in an email over and over yeah. when I was coaching people. Practice and revise. Revision is part of the method. Practice and revise. Yeah. So to be really clear to the people I was coaching, and now it's throughout the book, is, yeah, you are designing a habit into your life, mm-hmm. but you probably will need to redesign it and tweak it and tweak it until it clicks. Just like yeah. I see yeah. it on the back wall there, you have some wonderful paintings, you. And you might have put those up somewhere in your room and it's like, oh, that didn't work.
0: Yeah. And you yeah, didn't yeah.
1: Beat yourself up or feel bad or force it. You just uh-huh. said, Well, I'm gonna redesign this. That's how right. to look at the process of creating habits is you try something and if it works, you keep going. And if it doesn't, you adjust it. So right. you you're practicing, but you're revising. Revision is yeah. part okay. of the process. And you just give yourself that understanding and that compassion that nobody's perfect in this.
0: Exact. Okay. So what's a golden behavior?
1: Wow, golden. So there's a whole bunch of new stuff in Tiny Habits. In fact, the whole book is my material. I'm not summarizing other people's stuff. And so there's new terminology there. And golden behavior is one of them. A golden behavior is something that you want to do. You have motivation to do. Mm -hmm. You can do. You have the ability. And it's going to have impact in the way that you want. So, for example, if I want to reduce my stress, if I'm designing for that, I'm looking for a golden behavior or a golden habit that I want to do. Mm-hmm. And if I don't want to meditate, don't pick that. Because if I don't want that, that's not good. Yeah. But I do like playing musical instruments. So, bam. And especially uh, woodwinds, because I like the breathing part of it. So I want to do that. Can I do it? Yeah. I've got a whole bunch of woodwinds around me. In fact, you can see some in the background. Yeah, yeah. And then, is it going to be effective? Well, my hypothesis is it's this is Rhythmic deep breathing is, but I'll just try it. And it's like, there we go. So for me, in terms of reducing stress, playing uh, you know, a huge recorder that requires a lot of breath, I want to, I can, and it's effective. So that's a golden behavior. And that's what you're looking for in new habits is, yeah, it's got to be effective. Yeah. And you got to be able to do it. And you have to have motivation to do it. Now, notice the difference is you're not tacking on the motivation after the fact. I'm not just picking something random like uh, I'm going to go dig holes out in the yard and that will reduce my stress. And somehow I'm going to magically motivate myself to do this. You pick habits that you already want to do. At least part of you wants to do it. Yeah. So motivation comes at the beginning of the process. It's not something you bolt on later.
0: Okay. So um, in, in chapter three, you talk about the fact that most people believe that they have to go big or go home. I think we already covered, yeah. covered that a little bit. You give the example, but this—this this is what I want to get to. You give the example of the simplicity of Instagram. So, I mean, you, we've talked about—you know—you don't have to go big or go home a, a little bit already. But uh, bring in Instagram and yeah. that story. That's really uh,
1: Instagram. I have such mixed feelings about that. Oh,
0: okay. When
1: it started, it was a whole different thing than it is now. I mean, okay. it was this way to help people feel happy and share happy photos and it's really evolved. So, but Instagram, let's rewind to the early days. (laughs) Um, The main thing I was teaching my students was simplicity Mm -hmm. that make things really, really easy to do. Mm -hmm. And that just was the pattern and everything that was working and nobody was really calling that out. And so in my teach in my class, and so on would read books on simplicity would focus on simplicity. I would constrain the design project. So they had to make it really, really easy And the co-founder of Instagram was in one of my classes, and he took that to heart. And Instagram emerged in the context of a whole bunch of different ways to store and share photos. But Instagram was simpler. it was, if you'll remember at the beginning, you only could take square pictures, that's all. And there's 12 filters, that's all. There were no videos, there wasn't stories, anything. It was just drop dead simple, take a photo, put a filter, share it. Yeah. And that simplicity plus the emotion mm-hmm. of the filters, I believe is what made them emerge and beat out all the competitors. They kept it really simple and they gave people positive emotions. They helped people feel successful. That is absolutely the winning combo in any product. That's absolutely the winning combo with your own habits. Make it really simple and help yourself feel successful. It's the same psychology, whether it's a product that you're really going to love, or whether it's like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to play the flute every day or I'm going to do these push-ups every day.
0: Yeah. Now, so so we everybody's probably thinking, okay, what tiny habits do I want? So uh, hopefully they will um, purchase your book because you have the graphs, you have the work. Uh, it, it's just everything's in there on how to do it. But um, how do they actually, just as one example, how did you design You know, skills, tools, tiny kind yeah. of
1: thing? Yeah. The easiest way, there's two super easy ways. <laughs> and then we'll get into the conceptual way that you're talking okay. about, Patty. One is in the back of the book, there are 300 Tiny Habit recipes. That's oh, in amazing. the appendix. So yeah, amazing. just look in the back of the book. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah, 300 yeah. examples right there yep. in the appendix. Yeah. Uh, n- another way is to go to tinyhabits.com slash recipes with an S on the end. And there's a tool that I designed and I had people create for me where you, and it works best on mobile phones and tablets where you just swipe through options. uh, Here's the habit I want. And here's the anchor. I'm going to pair it with super simple. It's free. Um, Do that. Now, if you want to not leverage a list of 300 habits or an online tool, the way to think about it is this, you pick anything. um, Like let's say I want more laughter and laughter and smiles in my life. I want, Oh, so you take any abstract thing and say, OK, if I could get myself to do any behavior that would lead to more laughter and smiles, what would I have myself do? So there's a kind of brainstorm that I call magic wanding. I won't go into the details here, but you come up with a whole bunch of different options. Oh, I'll watch um, Ted Lasso every night and I'll watch it over and over. <laughs> I, I will put a funny hat on my little dog every morning. I will tell a joke at dinner every night. You come up with a whole bunch of options.
0: Yeah. Then
1: let's say you have 20 options. Then you find what is the golden behavior there. So what's going to have impact? Well, a little hat on my dog. Give me laughter and smiles. Yeah, probably. Am I motivated to do it? Oh, yeah, because Millie would be very funny. And do I have the ability? Yes, yeah, sort of. I don't have the hat, but I think I can make one or find one. So that could be a golden behavior. Then I have to figure out when do I do this? When do I put the little hat on my dog? By the way, my dog loves... Callers and stuff. So I'm not abusing her. She loves it. So it might be we'll pick up on the tea after I start the coffee maker. I'll put this little hat on my dog Millie. And so that's how I go from the abstract, I need more laughters and smiles, go through a process. It's a process, it's a system. You're not guessing, it's a system. All these options, pick the best option, and then design it, find the anchor moment. And then you practice. And if it's not working, you revise. So that is. A quick run through. If you're not using the list in the book or the recipe maker at tinyhabits.com/recipes, that's how to flow through it.
0: I think also one thing that I did right in the beginning, however many years ago, um, you know, I have many anchor habits. I always like to think I just kind of, I have a lot of anchor habits. I think most people do when you start looking at it, Mm -hmm. but I, um, I have picked a few. I was starting to try to do too many tiny habits and it was just, you know, oh, wait a minute. I didn't, you know, I didn't do my squats while I'm. You know, brushing my teeth or, you know, so I just picked a few that I do. And I think, you know, same with the whole January, but has to get healthy thing. I think it's probably important. Correct me if I'm wrong to only pick like a few to start with.
1: Yeah. Yes. Lisa, uh, what- let me, let me start here. The old idea that you only can do one habit at a time is not true. That's not true. And in, from the beginning in the tiny habits free five day program that still exists and still is free. I didn't mention that. You can go just do tiny habits and have a real coach that I trained to help you. Like a real person helps you. Um, the um, There's three, and you learn more by practicing three. Um, some people uh, push it and do a lot more, which is fine. It's like a good exercise. Um, it's a style issue, um, Patty, as I see it. It's just like me practicing the guitar or the recorder or the flute or whatever how many songs do I want to work on at a time? Do I want to work on one or 12 or three? It's a style issue, but you absolutely can do work on three habits at a time. You don't have to restrict yourself to one. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay. So um, in... This, uh, as I was telling you right before we started, in chapter five, it, it, something about this kind of spoke to me. This is a quote: "We rarely recognize our successes and feel good about what we've done." I understand it as most will, but h- how does that tie into ha- tiny habits? I mean, just so, to, you know, our successes when are we kind of are—we kind of beat ourselves up a lot, don't we? Oh,
1: no, we do. And early in the book, I address that. I basically say, look. If you've tried to change and it hasn't worked, it is not your fault. It's not a character flaw. You just didn't have didn't the, this way to change. Mm-hmm. And so many people have sent me emails uh, or on Zoom meetings, but mostly email these days. Uh, they thank you so much. You know, um, They needed to hear that. Yeah. And they probably thought that before, but they needed to hear, you know, somebody with a Stanford name attached to them or who knows why. Yeah. But a big theme in the book is you change best by feeling good yeah. not by feeling bad and i think i bring that into every chapter i decided to weave that through because it was about 4 months in so this again is over 10 years ago i've been teaching tiny habits 5 day program for 4 months probably had 300 people that week and i was you know <laughs> cranking out you know coaching people responding helping people revise and a woman wrote me uh, it was on a Wednesday because that's the day we talk about celebration, which is this way you cause yourself to feel good. Mm. And um, she said, thank you so much. BJ, I now see I've endured a lifetime of self trash talk. Yeah. That, yep. Patty, that, call me naive, but that was mind blowing to me. I was like, yeah. what? Yeah. And then I started reading all the emails differently. Now I was tuned into that and I, and I realized this was Pervasive. And so that probably was the moment where I shifted from, isn't this, this is little, this thing I'm teaching, it's kind of quirky and it's fun and I feel good to help people. And I shifted from not really understanding why I was offering this and spending my time other than I like to help people to, oh my gosh, there are millions if not billions of people like this woman who just live with self trash talk. And tiny habits can shift them out of that where they can recognize and appreciate and and embrace the good and embrace the positive emotions and learn to not listen to the self trash talk and to give themselves compassion rather than criticism and shame and shade. And that then became, I think it was that moment when I was like, oh, oh, the stakes are totally different than I thought. Yeah. Uh, I, I must keep doing this. I need to bring this to the world. I need to get better at this. And that was that was a really important moment for me. I remember exactly where I was. And I remember the table I was sitting at and just kind of the chills that you get in yeah. those moments yeah. like, oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. And then now, now people, especially women, say, DJ, you're so naive. How did you not know that? And it's like, I didn't know that. I didn't know that people were so self-critical, but now I do.
0: Yeah. And I'm out yeah. to change that, yeah. And, and I think too, the self-critical starts young and it keeps building proper, perhaps for like we said, you know, you said most people, so you can't take something like that. And ex- or any habit, our bodies, our minds don't work fast to, to get rid of these maybe health wise mm-hmm. bad habits or mental bad habits. So you have to, you can't give up. Right. Isn't yeah. how do you, so, you know, and That's the, that's the tough part to keep people to know that, you know, six months from now, you're going to, you know, keep them on the path. That's the tricky part.
1: Well, one thing, so the the class that I'm teaching at Stanford starting six days from now, I'm so excited. I can teach anything I want. I can teach any quarter or not teach. I have a ton of flexibility. And I decided this quarter, what the students really need was more humor and happiness in their lives. So my class is called Tiny Habits for Humor and Happiness, and we are reading a book called Humor Seriously by my Stanford colleagues, and we're putting it into the tiny habits system. And then we're reading a book that's not quite out yet called The Gap in the Game by Dan Sullivan and Ben Hardy that's not quite out, but I read early versions. And this book, it comes from Dan Sullivan's work at Strategic Coach, is all about not looking at the gap, like, oh, here's all the ways I'm not reaching my ideal. Here's, you look at the gain, you measure your progress backwards. You look back and you see all the ways that you've gained. In fact, this morning, um, I mean, this morning I made a list of all the gains from yesterday. Oh. Now the habit was to do it in the evening, but last evening was weird and it didn't happen last evening. And so in the tiny habits way, I didn't beat myself up. I said, oh, I'm just going to do it this morning. And in a notebook, just like this one, Not in this one, but just like this one, I wrote, what were all my gains from yesterday? And I came up with 12 or 15. And that, when I read the book, because it aligned so well with the tiny habits, help yourself feel successful and you change this by feeling good. So when I read that, that concept, look at your gains and measure your gains and have a daily ritual slash habit of writing them down. Yeah i'm gonna have my students do that i think especially stanford students who are so focused on achievement and probably so Uh self-critical we are going to do a pre-test at the beginning of the quarter to to assess how they're doing mentally and emotionally and we'll do one 10 weeks later and we'll see we'll see what effect that this plus the humor has on their lives so it's that important that it is the focus of the next quarter of my teaching at stanford
0: well, that's going to be interesting, especially you know. I suppose the world has always had a lot of bad news, but we all know about all of it oh all the time. So you know, to, to how to 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 kind of thread that needle yeah. about not you know not being there and helping what's going on in the world, but yet maintaining your sense of health and happiness and, and perspective. So that that's as oh,
1: and and let me build on that. There was something my partner and I did. A while back when things were hard. So my partner and I, we've been together like 25 years. And as gay men, it has not been easy. I mean, we run in 25 years. Yeah. And we both come from a Mormon background. So imagine how hard that is. We didn't know anybody like us 25 years like zero. And we didn't know anybody partnered. But fast forward, so we've been through a lot. Um, But there was a time when we decided to have this thing we called Good News Friday. (laughs) So on Fridays, you couldn't say anything negative. And if somebody it. did, you'd say Good News Friday, and then they would have to. And that was a wonderful thing in our lives. I think I might push that out on social or kind of see if that oh, would catch should. on. That's
0: awesome. Good yeah. News Friday. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love it. Okay, what's today? Today's only Tuesday. I like <laughs> it. <about to say, laughs> I'm looking forward to Good News Friday. So, so now you also mentioned that emotion creates habits. So yeah. emotions create yeah. habits. So what does that exactly mean? Oh my
1: gosh, I, those three words, Patty, emotions create happiness. I know, I,
0: I've read I those I thought three would words. be,
1: I mean, you, you could do it either way, but yeah, yeah. it's that concept that I thought would be so controversial. I mean, I've been teaching it for over 10 years and applying it and measuring it and you know, ran a study where some people celebrated and some people didn't and saw the impact of, and celebration is a way to feel emotions. Yeah. So I, I knew the concept was accurate, but it goes against the tradition. The tradition is repetition creates habits. And that's not true. I mean, if somebody wants to, I mean, look at what they cite and usually they cite a study by Lally. I mean, anyone can look it up. L-A-L-L-Y 2009. Sometimes it's referred to as 2010. Even just reading the abstract of that study, this is what people have cited over and over, like, oh, it's repetition in it's 66 states. To, um, that study does not show causal effects Mm -hmm. it 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 was not designed to show that repetition would cause the habit to form Uh it uses nonlinear regression it's a correlation but it's not causal and so but that idea is really strong in people's minds so i thought oh my gosh i'm gonna get so much criticism but guess what patty almost the opposite has happened once people read that and see that and just experience it right it's like Oh yeah. And I, I, since the year and a half or since my book has been out, I do think the conversation, I don't have a way to measure this. Well, I haven't, I guess there would be a way to measure. I haven't measured it. My feeling is that the conversation around habits really has shifted. You almost never see Mm -hmm. this idea of just keep repeating it and that emotion creates the habits and people are saying, Oh, feel good. Make sure that you feel good and so on. So, and that happened way first. I thought I was going to be super criticized. And I didn't think it would catch on that fast, but I think it is. And, you know, the way babies learn to walk. I mean, what are the parents doing? Tearing them off, helping them have this positive emotion. The way Uh we help our dogs learn to do things on demand, right? We are reinforcing them. So in the tiny habits way, you are self-reinforcing by causing yourself to feel a positive emotion. So you're hacking your brain through... Causing yourself to feel an emotion. Some people are very good at this. Some people are not so good at it. Everyone can learn to get better at that. And we call that technique celebration. And again, it's about self-reinforcing. It's about causing that behavior to become more automatic. And you yeah. do that by feeling good, by feeling successful.
0: And I think that the average uh, non-scientist, um, knows uh, is is starting to hear the causal versus correlation a lot more out in mainstream right now. So they're starting to figure out what that means. So, yeah. uh, Well,
1: I I can give a quick example just to be really clear. Um, So let's say I do a study Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: I show that the more time that someone spends in the gym, the more fit they are. Yeah. Okay. So time in the gym correlates that Mm -hmm. match. So I could say, Oh, just go to the gym and you'll get fit. Well, then people might go to the gym and just hang out at the snack bar. That's not making them fit, right? That's right. Exactly how people have interpreted this study. They, they, So going being at the gym does not cause you to get fit. It's what you do at the gym. So yeah. doing a habit over and over does not cause it to become automatic in your life. It's how you feel when yeah. you do that behavior. Okay, So that might be one of the cleanest, fastest ways to show how people confuse correlation with causality. It's just think, yeah, of course, people that are in the gym more are more fit, but being in the gym isn't what causes it. It's what you do, just like um, re- repetition doesn't cause it. It's how you feel when you do that behavior that creates the habit.
0: Oh, yeah, very, very important. So, okay, now um, we've got 20 minutes left, and this is a big topic. We talked about it not long ago. So I'd like to pivot um, a little bit to, to the end of your book, where we talk about and you and I had a discussion about the word bad habits and we decided, well, there's no other good word to say, so there's we're gonna not. talk about bad habits. <laughs> so so the the pivot I'd like to do is I want to talk about untangling bad habits and tie it into COVID individual i mean you, um, you look at TikTok, you look at anywhere and everybody's got you know a bottle of wine and a straw and it goes with the wine goes around the sunglasses indeed. and goes <laughs> in their mouth and, and <laughs> you know i mean it's kind of funny but it, when you start seeing people sitting in sinks with bottles of wine and songs and it's, no. catchy, and it's funny but it's it's not funny for a yeah. after a while, you know, cause I mean, again, I'm concerned about people's you know, liver and their, and their health. So yeah. how do we, but yet we have been through a mass, we've been through a pandemic for goodness sakes. We're still in it. So yeah. people have been, you know, the ultra processed foods and, you know, and the, and children eating more of that and, and too much alcohol. So as a group, as an individual, how do we change together? How do we untangle <sighs> the bad habits? Okay. okay exactly You've you, you, you warned
1: me <laughs> and everybody, this is a big topic. It is. And okay. and you said an important word twice. It's untangle. So yeah. again, so in word. my work, yeah. I'm, I'm a renegade. I, I didn't accept the tradition as the way to do it. And I do not accept the word break a bad habit. I reject that word. And the word I suggest is untangle. Yeah. You untangle it because it's not a matter of force in one moment. Like breaking implies force in one right. moment, and you'll be done with you know all the drinking habits that you could uh, you don't want. You untangle it, and there's a process. And there are in the appendix three pages of flowcharts where yeah. step by step. I'm not going to go through that, but just know that there is a system. And the way to think about it is you untangle. And so let's take let's take drinking. Let's go there head on. Let's yeah. take yeah. COVID drinking plus the others. Right. Um What I. You've got to figure out what are all the tangles in this alcohol habit that somebody might have. With this. And list, you know, what are all the times like maybe you have a drink at lunch, maybe you have a drink right after work gets over, maybe you have a drink right before dinner, maybe you have a drink after dinner, maybe you have a drink um, when you go uh, to the art festival on the weekend and so on. So list, because the habit of drinking isn't just one behavior, it's a whole bunch of them. Yeah. And habit of snacking isn't just one habit. It's a whole bunch of them. So think of it as a tangle list those. And I'm just going to warn you as you list those, there's going to be a moment where you're like, Oh my gosh, (laughs) don't stop there. Please, please. Then then find the easiest one that you can stop. Not the hardest one, the easiest one. And it might be, yeah, when I go to the art and wine festival on the weekends, I don't have to get wine. So that's the one I'm going to stop. Okay, pick the easiest one. Yeah. Um, or when I go to lunch with a business colleague, I don't have to have an alcoholic drink. Maybe that's the easiest one. So you just go pick the easiest one, untangle it, and there's a method for it. How you, you, and it goes back to motivation, ability, prompt. And then take the next easiest one. Then take the next easiest one. So you start with the easiest one, the one that you're sure, you're most sure you can do. Mm-hmm. And that's one approach to untangling these unwanted habits. And even just the word untangle versus break, I think yeah. is important. I mean, there's there's a chapter on it. There's flowcharts, how to you know step yeah. by step, which yeah. isn't going to be interesting to go into all the detail. But just the idea that it's not, for most of these habits, it's not just a sudden thing and you're done, that it's a process that might see, com- seem confusing at first, like your headsets all tangled yeah. up. But if right. you just do the easiest one, and then do the next one, you know you're going to get there. So despite how overwhelming it seems, it seems when you have the headset all tangled up, yeah. you understand that it's a process. And you don't start with the hardest tangle, you start the easiest. Apply that to the unwanted habits in your life.
0: Mm-hmm. And and for the you know, day drinkers, that was something that 20 years ago people didn't really necessarily other than frank sinatra maybe or that era and the three martini lunches but day drinkers is is that term is pretty common now and you know and you can kind of Get it? I mean, you know, you've got that people are are stressed. That kids are at home, and and they you know, it's it's been an incredibly stressful time. But maybe what about tying in? And this is just off the cuff. So, what about tying in? Let's say somebody who has a glass of rosé at two in the afternoon, or or something, or whatever it is. Um, tying it into well, if I don't have this today, tie it into something like, you know. Um, my I know my skin is going to look better yeah. In, yeah. in in a week or mm-hmm. or maybe i this isn't the best example for my kids or yeah. you know I, but that's a negative that's kind of a well, guilt you, nobody you, likes guilt
1: you certainly can find reasons for any you know um social media habit snacking habit, yeah. drinking habit, smoking, yeah, really get clear yeah on what it would mean in your life to be able to conquer this. But there's also a social element, and you mentioned this earlier, that um, the people around you really do influence our behavior. People around us really do influence our behaviors more than we think. Yeah. And um, when I moved up to wine country, I didn't drink at all. I was raised Mormon. so. I didn't have any palate for wine. I didn't care about wine. If I did, it would be white Zinfandel. And I had no idea that was tacky. I had no idea. <laughs> you know, Because what did I know? I bring white Zinfandel harsh. to parties and people would look at me like, oh, yeah. you are so tacky. But I didn't know. But living in the wine country for uh, two decades, it's all yeah. around. And, you, um, and the people around. Now, I have completely stopped drinking. I mean, I'm not against other people drinking. But I want to go to the social piece of that. Um, there were little things I did like, oh, I'm not going to drink on the plane. You know, I'm not going to drink at this business mixer. And I was practicing this in small ways, like the little tangles. And then there was a point where I'd taken out the small enough tangles that I could completely stop the rest. So then there was a moment after practicing, you know, not not on the plane, not at business meetings, not at lunch. And I I learned how to do that. Mm -hmm. Then I was stopped completely and then I I remember going to a party with some friends and we would typically drink at this party and I'd say oh and my partner was on board with me he's like oh we're not drinking tonight we're gonna stick with water and at first they just gave us this look like what is going on Um, and do you have a serious problem and it's like no we're just we're just we're just going to stick with water tonight
0: yeah yeah yeah
1: and that group we'd get together every few weeks and over time that became a lot less of a drinking party and more of an activity party. And so even- Shifted it. Yeah. And, and so- well, it, shift. Yeah, and it wasn't through judging or telling them to. Yeah. In fact, yeah. we go to events and we hide the, you know, we just don't,
0: yeah.
1: we don't want to be preachy. But right. you can be the inspiration for others. Like, oh, yeah, I'm sticking to water too. And you can yeah. shift your social group in that way.
0: Right. Oh, yeah. So, okay. So, um, so individuals, we talked about that a little bit. Social group- we have a whole world <laughs> who who has been going through all of this the no. collective you know um so what do we do about, I guess we can't worry about everything. Be, we just worry about ourselves and changing ourselves. And, and if you're, you know, and, and maybe like you said, influencing those people mm-hmm. in, in your life and then maybe that ripples effects out to help people. And it's not just drinking. I don't know why I, I, I don't know really what well, i drinking an example, because it seems to be perva- per, it, pervasive. It's pretty
1: pervasive. And yeah. You know, I'm, you know, and and I, I don't have a stand on everyone should stop or not. I I just in my personal life I know it's been helpful. Though so there's a time, Patty, I thought I never would. I was like, why would I stop? Because I live in one country and da. da, da yeah. but anyway, but let, let me go here. The fact that somebody posts on social and says, Look, I'm exercising every day, look at me, that is a great courageous act because it's helping people see, yes, you can change.
0: Yeah.
1: And a lot of people feel like, No, I'm stuck. I just you know, I, I, you know, I'm too old to change or whatever. And so by sharing success stories mm-hmm. in a way that's non-judgmental and not preachy, but just saying, yeah, it is yeah. possible. I thought I yeah. wasn't going to be able to turn the corner in my forties, but I did. Right. Yeah. And oh my gosh, you can, and it's they're never too old to create yeah. new habits and optimize your life. And so I, I do think people need uh-huh. hope, hope, hope. That's what the tiny habits method is about. That's what my book is about. That's what the five day program is give people hope that they can change and then give them a very specific, tactical, reliable method for doing so. Mm-hmm. And I would pull in that when people share their successes in changing, that the way I read that is not so much they're bragging, but they are trying to inspire others and give other people hope. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Now, okay, we've talked about, you know, the food and the alcohol, but what we, but I want to focus the rest of our time here really on, um, on the struggles people are having with mental health Mm -hmm. and with what's going on in the world and, and everything, I mean, all groups, you you know, my son is a veteran, my brother was in Vietnam, you know, and and pulling out of Afghanistan and the veterans group that, that I follow, you know, the the suicide rate and when horrible, horrible. So there's groups of people that have um, a collective mental health issue. And then, and then we have all the negative, and I worry about children, all the, Mm -hmm. all the negative feelings. How do we individuals, our families, um, how do we, with everything, the climate, of course, is everybody's big concern. How do we collectively change the mindset so everybody is not so down in the dumps? So, you know, it's kind of the chicken and the egg. What comes first, the down in the dumps or or the alcohol that we were talking about? Probably the down in the dumps. Yeah, a lot
1: of of these habits are response to trauma and stress. That's just the fact.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: People coping with that. In part, in my Stanford class, the students don't know this yet, yeah. but what I want them to become is the source of positivity for other people in their lives.
0: Oh, And I want
1: to learn how to. I mean, I mean, every class I teach at Stanford is a new class. I never teach the same class twice. You know, I pick what I think is important, and this is yeah. um, human happiness. I think is really important, but I also want to innovate and understand how do you become the source of positivity for others, and can that be taught, and can that then spread? Oh. And so I will have a much better answer for you in 12 weeks on that front. Yeah. On the mental health front, yeah. uh, Patty, you don't know this. this is very up close and personal. My niece is in the mental hospital, and she's been incarcerated for, I want to say, six months, eight months, mm-hmm. and serious bipolar issues and managing oh. that well. Yeah. She called. I probably spend an hour to two hours a week on the phone with her in different um, segments.
0: Yeah.
1: And yeah. the thing that she needs, and it's a, the system's not that great, the system's kind of broken, but they, everyone's doing the best they can. In fact, that's one very helpful habit to have is to say everyone's doing the best they can. It's but right. what I think my role for her is, is to give her hope. So I'm going back to the hope. So even last night when I was talking to her mm-hmm. and um, just helping her see the progress that she's made. Mm-hmm. And there's a way you level up and get more freedom from oh, all yeah. the way from solitary lockdown to yeah. now you can go to the cafeteria. To the next level up is you can go to the vending machine, mm-hmm. and get. And the next level up is you can order a pizza, yeah. and so or something like that. Right. And for me, yeah, I talk to her. I, I try to keep it light and fun, and quirky because I'm yeah. kind of yeah. a goofball. Yeah. And but <laughs> I'm always trying to help her see. One, how much progress she's made. And yeah. two, oh. that she, she can continue to progress, that there's light at the end of the tunnel.
0: Yeah.
1: And that is, um, she's starving for hope.
0: Yeah.
1: And, 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 and I always tell her the truth. She knows that even when she's in the worst situations, mm-hmm. I was like, I'm always going to tell you the truth. You will always get the straight scoop from me.
0: Yep.
1: But now I tell her the truth about her progress and yeah. about her potential. Yeah. And that potential. seems to be exactly what she needs.
0: Powerful world word potential. So, and then of course, people with bipolar, are, you know, are generally self-medicate in some ways. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's 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 as tough. Oh, I was, was going to make a point there, um, but yeah, that. Thank you for sh- for sharing that. But I, oh, I know what it was. Um, I think th- some people are just naturally, for whatever reason, optimistic and positive. And some people, and I can think of people in both categories, are just a little bit Eeyore-ish, you know? Um, <laughs> you know, and, and, and you can soak up either person's energy. Yeah. And yeah. One, you know, you want to soak up the positive and the energetic and the happy, but if you're not careful, you can soak yeah. up the negative. You have to kind of... Yeah. you have to most people have to be very careful of that so just to be aware of the people in your world and if they're relatives you know then they're your relatives but you have to understand you know you to put up some sort of boundary and not soaking up their energy and also um you know relishing the fact that that people feel better around you you know yeah. so you know right. and having helping people you know by not being a preachy it seems to go back it goes back to food, too, and alcohol. You can't mm-hmm. preach to people, but, you know, just try to be happy around the people that are not necessarily well,
1: and, and, happy. And let, let me build on that. That's such an yeah. important point in the tiny habits when I've done this in a few contexts of my life. Okay. After I hear someone say something negative, I will say something positive. And often um, I try to make it funny or yeah. weird. Yeah. And there was a specific person in our life. Uh, I will call this person Eric. It wasn't his real name. Okay, but Very negative. Everything was negative. And it was a downer being with
0: him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
1: And so we did like him and we liked his wife a lot and we didn't want to not hang with them. So we just decided after Eric says something negative, we will say something positive. And it kind of just became a game that my partner and I did, but it had an effect. He seemed to shift and the convert dinners with them, rides in the car with them just shifted. And that could be... Um, an approach anybody could take after I hear somebody saying something negative, I will say something positive now to do that. Well, yeah. you don't want to go confront it.
0: No, no. because there,
1: no. there, There's kind of an art to that I found, yeah. and I'm still yeah. working on it, but you absolutely, I'll give an example, Patty, somebody did yeah. this. I was teaching a class in the spring at a co-teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was a little frustrated with my Stanford students because they weren't, they weren't really performing. Um, they were moderating groups and they weren't as good in moderating the groups as I thought they should be. And I mentioned that to my co-teacher Ron. And he came back and said, Hey BJ, they're learning, they're doing fine, they're gonna get there. And damn, that was a wake-up call. He's like, You okay. are right, Ron. What am I complaining about? Why do I think they're gonna, you know, have the moderation skills of a fifty-eight-year-old guy when they're students? Yeah. And that really shifted. It was one one charitable positive comment from Ron Gutman that made me shift. And yeah. my attitude around that frustration totally shifted. And I think it shifted my perspective on the whole course. So yeah. it can be that simple sometimes.
0: And sometimes I think with the negative people that I know, uh, I hate to just categorize people as only that, but I think we all know where they are going. Sometimes just to saying, well, if they're complaining, just acknowledging that, you know, sounds yeah. uh, like an armchair psychologist here, but, but still just acknowledge what they're thinking and thinking, yeah, I understand. And, and then coming up with something with, so you don't sound preachy or you're not trying to diminish what they're thinking, because I know we have to be careful with that, but just acknowledging and then sort of maybe reframing transmuting. I don't know what the word Uh, is. Well, it
1: it goes back to a tiny habit recipe is after I, whatever that anchor moment is here, someone says, I will have a game plan. Yeah. And then practice and revise. Okay. So practice it. Yep. And it's like, oh, that came across a little preachy. That's not quite right. Or that was <laughs> too snarky. Or that was perfect, right? Yeah. So you practice and you revise. I know I have people in my life that are so wonderful at that. And I really admire them. And so part of me learning to be better at being the source of positivity is tuning into people in my life who already are. Yeah, and yeah. watching how they do it. And right. then making those kinds of reactions, habits in my own life.
0: Yeah. Well, again, and in the book you have, you know, there's so, you know, um, okay, glasses, Um, (laughs) my recipe, tiny uh, after, and then the list, and then I will, and then a celebration. I love that. So your anchor moment, your tiny behavior and your celebration, ABC. ABC How about that? anchor I, I, behavior I find, celebration. Yeah, ABC. So, um, while it's eleven, we have it maybe another minute. Is there something else other than everyone? I hope you've purchased the book and and really read it and study it because there's. We, though we've talked about a lot of details, there's so much more that we can't yeah. get to. And and I just, uh, but there's, um, I'm looking forward to listening to this again when it's, <laughs> when it's live, because, you know, there's, you've given a lot of really wonderful tips that are going to help people on, on so many different levels. So any, any closing? Um, uh,
1: yes, yes. I mean, creating <laughs> habits is easier than you think and mm-hmm. even the tiniest of changes can transform your life because of the okay. ripple effects. And now more than ever in yeah. all our lives is the time to do this. Yes, our habits changed because of the pandemic. When your environment changes, your habits change. Yeah. And our environment continues to shift. And that means our habits will shift. We can either design the habits or just let them grow like weeds. Mm-hmm. I'm saying you can design them. It's not that hard. It's kind of like a garden. Yeah. You plant the seed you, in a good spot and you nurture it. And you have this beautiful... Transformation. So it's not that hard, and now's right. the time. It's it's you know so just dive in. Yeah.
0: yeah, I love that. Now's the time, isn't that? Yep. And that's the pleasure of this is that you can start now with something little, and yep. and and yep. you know, and seven years later of doing push-ups, and you know your arms <laughs> are a lot better. <laughs> It would' have been otherwise. So anyway, this was really, really wonderful, B. J. Thank you so much Thank for you. being here. so so in closing, um, our thanks to B.J. Fogg, Dr. Fogg, for his comments here today, as well as those listening to this recording. Uh, This program and more like it will be posted on the club's website, www.commonwealthclub.org, very soon. And now, this meeting of the Commonwealth Club of California commemorating 118 years of enlightened discussion is adjourned. You've been listening to the Commonwealth Club of California.